Welcome to the Shared World podcast, where we'll take a closer look at the connections between nature and humans. My name's Amy Walker, and to celebrate the return of the popular Orchid Festival at the Royal Botanic Gardens at Kew, we're dedicating our first edition to taking a closer look at this mysterious and beautiful species. Although it's now one of the world's largest plant families, it's among the most threatened plants on the planet. The moment you step foot into this tropical paradise, you're instantly transported a thousand miles away with stunning displays of brightly coloured flowers from India, arranged in spectacular exhibits, including a beautiful suspended display of living orchids in all colours of the rainbow, pillars of pineapple trees and red and yellow flowers, an air plant elephant and a huge flag of India created from cut flowers, as well as examples of the beautiful and exotic slipper orchid. It's a great respite from the February cold and a delight to visit. Throughout the festival there are talks presented by orchid experts including how the display was put together, how they are cultivated, where they originate from and their importance in traditional cuisine. Although I have several orchids on my kitchen windowsill at home, the festival really made me curious to find out more about these exquisite creatures. Orchids are thought to have been one of the first flowers on the planet and there are between 25 to 35,000 different types. They depend on pollinators to thrive and in turn provide vital services to their ecosystem. Insects get pollen, nectar, waxes or scents from the flower and the flower achieves reproduction. Although orchids are cultivated around the world, because they're so specialised to their insect pollinators, the destruction of habitat around them in the wild can damage their survival. Half of all orchids use some form of mimicry to attract insects, by producing fragrances like pheromones to attract bees and wasps, or smells similar to the insect food source, like fresh or decaying fruit, or they even give off deceptive signals that trick the target insect into thinking the inside of the flower is a brood site or a prey odour. One of the most interesting examples I could find that highlights the essential role of orchids and their deep connection to their habitat is in the production of Brazil nuts in the Amazon rainforest. The delicate relationship only came to light after commercial operators weren't as successful at farming Brazil nuts on plantations and it was discovered that Brazil nut trees rely on a very intricate relationship with its ecosystem, including its orchids. Once the Brazil nut tree is in flower, only the female euglossine orchid bee has the strength to get the nectar inside to make pollination possible. The male euglossine bee has a different role. They must prove themselves to the females by visiting the Corianthes vasquezi orchid to gather the fragrant chemicals it produces using forearms that have been specially evolved just for that purpose. Without the orchid to help the continuation of the euglossine pollinator bee species, the Brazil nut tree flowers would not be pollinated and there would be no Brazil nuts. And the interconnection doesn't end there. Once the Brazil nut pod is fully formed, the seeds must then be distributed. Only two animals can open the extremely tough seed pod, humans with a machete and a small rodent called an agouti which gnaws the pods with its chisel-like teeth. Another example of a complex relationship involves the slipper orchid. It uses stealth to lure in the insect with the promise of a drink or attracts it by scent or sight to the edge of its pouch, which is slippery 
and the insect soon finds itself trapped at the bottom. The only way out is through a small doorway which contains the flower's pollinia, which sticks to the insect as it flies away and then is deposited by the insect into another plant. Charles Darwin was among the first scientists to connect orchids in their habitats. He observed that certain orchids had evolved blooms that would only allow a specific pollinator. In 1862, he noticed that the orchid Angraecum sesquipedales from Madagascar exuded a heavy perfume only at night and the back of the white flower had a long spur, sometimes up to 12 inches in length, with a tiny amount of nectar at the base. Darwin reasoned that because the orchid was white and only fragrant at night, the pollinator must be a moth with a tongue at least 18 inches long. Now, in fact, it was 130 years later that his hypothesis was confirmed and observations were recorded of the Xanthopan morgani prydicta moth feeding on the flower and transferring pollen from plant to plant. So after just a bit of basic research into these exquisite flowers, it's so clear that these are just a few of the many intricate and strange relationships that exist between plants, animals, insects and trees. I hope this episode demonstrates the value in preserving whole ecosystems rather than just selecting individual species from them to ensure we don't lose their relationships before we've even discovered them. This has been Amy Walker for Shared World. Take care and I'll see you next time.